Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we did it. We got rid of the metronome. Yes, so. yes, yes. Your, your fix did fix and, and very exciting. So uh, this is quarantine episode eight. I know we're not keeping track, but we're two <laughs> weeks away from 10 and that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, the Korean Baseball League is back. There's live KBO action. The Bundesliga is going to start in That's a right. Week. That's right. Yes, yes. We're, we're starting to see the signs. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, I, I don't have any investment in the Korean Baseball League or the Bundesliga, but I will say just the, the notion of team sports being back is, is kind of fun. And, uh, you know, the, the Bundesliga is going to restart apparently next Saturday. Yeah, I may I may find myself watching a game on TV. I think they put those on Fox Sports in mm-hmm. the past, and so I would assume they will be. And so, yeah, yeah, will I likely turn one on at least to see a little bit? Probably so. UFC is having a fight this weekend, or a fight, yeah, a full card this weekend. Uh, the yeah. the Tiger Phil Tom Payton match, yeah, play. set uh, for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The PGA Tour is supposed to be back mid-june and nascar back uh, i think next weekend and so you know little by little little by little the, the the big hurdle is still team sports here on the old uh home front here in the u.s and we're not there yet but uh you know there's there's some signs of hope at least so of course with all of these things about to restart no time like the present then to address asu basketball and asu football that's right that's right well you know hey hey uh you know there's nothing's happened yet, so and I, I'm not sure that we're going to be doing Bundesliga recaps. I mean, we might if we have to, <laughs> uh, but you know, we're 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 still don't have anything new to talk about in terms of actual game results. So I think, yeah, let's let's uh, let's get a, a temperature check of the the Sun Devil programs. For basketball, it was signing day. You wouldn't know it because all of the hype and publicity already happened. Yeah, but right. But Josh Christopher. Uh, Holland, uh, what is it? Ed Evans? Holland Woods, Woods. I think, yeah. 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 And, uh, Luther Muhammad all signed. So we got yeah. our four man class of which two at least are expected to contribute right away. And yeah. we got our official confirmation that Romello White has opted to enter the transfer portal. Yeah. And will be and gone. Appears gone. He yeah. graduated yeah. and, and everyone, including Bobby Hurley is saying that he is done. Speaking of him in the past tense, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he, he, I saw, I think Jeff Goodman, you know, tweeted out a list of schools that have contacted him, and he said he wants to go closer to home. And, you know, I, I will hope that, that he follows through on that. We've been down that road before with Sam Cunliffe. Oh, mm-hmm. he's homesick from the state of Washington, and he went to Kansas. Yeah, but on the uh, flip know, side, so. we did have Trent Lockett, who said that and went to Marquette we when he was from we Minnesota. Did. We did. So, so uh, you know, I will, I will hope that that turns out to be true. Because some of the, I mean, now look, these are schools that are just reaching out to him. But some of the schools that are reaching out or on that list are not close to Georgia. Uh, they may be closer than Arizona, but they're still not close to Georgia. So, um, you know, we'll see. If he, if he goes to Georgia, Georgia Tech, even an SEC school that's not, you know, Missouri or Texas A&M or something like that, and then I'm, you know, I'm more likely to buy it. Um, if he ends up at, you know, Georgetown, which is a place I saw listed, and I only noticed that because they were in alphabetical order with Georgia and Georgia Tech, uh, that's not close to Atlanta. So, 
eh, we'll see. But it's a it's a tough break him not coming back. And as I you know as I texted you, I, I just don't quite get it. I, I mean, it, it, unless it really is to be closer to home, then I'll buy that. But boy, it's not like he doesn't have playing time here. So the 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 seeming desperation, I guess, for him to leave, whether it be for the draft or transfer. Seemed odd to me. Well, and he did graduate, which he I did. saw, you know, Doug Haller made a point of noting in the story. Yeah. So yeah. I don't begrudge this. If he's got one more year left and he's done with school and he yeah. just doesn't want to be here anymore, okay. Don't, you know. And that's, you know, that is the system we've got in place. And I agree with you. I mean, he, he, he did what he was supposed to do in order to have that right. Um, and remember, he gray-shirted. I, he was on campus for four yeah. years. Right, he was. He was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just seemed surprising when I read it because, again, it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's one thing when a guy leaves who played, you know, three minutes a game. Um, Andre Allen, you know, or something like that, or, or Kyle Fate, uh, you know. Okay, you, you can see that. Um, or if we had recruited over him. Let's say, you know, one of our big-time recruits well, was, a, was a post guy, Remy you know, leave, or something like or that. Or the idea of Remy leaving, we thought, could right. have been that. Same kind of, uh, yeah, could be, you know, but but he was getting plenty of playing time. He would have gotten plenty more. Now, Haller made the point in his story that, you know, does our, our style, Bobby Hurley's style of play, make it difficult to keep a big man happy? And it may be a legitimate point. I mean, he was getting a lot of playing time. But he was not a focal point of what we did. Well, and also uh, I thought in Hurley's article or in Haller's article, a point that yeah. was interesting is he went out of his way to talk about how good Jalen Graham is and how, how yeah. much he's improved. And that's one of those things where we'll never know. And Hurley said he was surprised, so probably not. Yeah. But do you think that White was getting the sense that, hey, by conference season of my senior year, they're going to be playing me 15 minutes a game? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a good point, and it's possible that some of some of that time would have gone away from him. Um, you know, and and maybe that's it. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he maybe he really does want to get closer to home. Um, you know, maybe he is thinking, "Hey, I got one more year. Let's go to a place where you know a, a post player is more emphasized in terms, especially in terms of the offense." Because it's not here. I mean, it, you know, there there would be times where it seemed like we would force it. Last year was an interesting, because early in the year, it seemed like we were bound and determined to play from inside out. We were going to get the ball to Romello White and work it that way. And then when the team got rolling, he wasn't much of a factor. I mean, he wasn't bad, but that, that streak in, in February where we won, what, six or seven in a row and, and you know, got ourselves into the tournament mix – he wasn't a big factor. It was Martin playing well. It was Verge coming into his own. Edwards found a shot. Uh, you know, it really didn't have a lot to do with playing from the inside out, like like early when we were struggling. And so it just makes you wonder, like, maybe this is just not the place to do that. And maybe he saw that and figured, hey, let's go somewhere where it is. Yeah, and meanwhile, it does open up a spot that you assume would be filled by Graham primarily. And yeah. You know, Cherry, uh, you know, kind of in a Cody Justice mold. He he's big enough, and he's yeah, and he's willing. Yeah. He's willing to go I down mean, there. He is. He is. I mean, obviously, we're going to be a team that is is a small ball type of team. 
Uh, hopefully we get Martin and Verge back. You and I don't think you and I have talked since the news came out that Verge also declared for the draft. Um, that seems like a really unlikely choice for him to stay in, but who knows, you know, obviously uh, all, all it takes is one person to, you know, convince him that this is the right move and he may stay. Well, but if we get both those guys back and then the recruits we've got and the guys we got back, I mean, we're, we're fairly deep from, you know, positions three on down, which means they're now positions four and maybe even five. Uh, we're just going to have to play some smaller guys at those positions. It does seem like, and I think this is smart if it's the case, more and more players, especially at ASU, are reaching this level and saying, well, I'm going to test it. And, and when sure. you're a junior, why not? Sure, you sure. Know? I mean, it does make sense. You go and you know, and under normal circumstances, you can go through the workout process and have teams see you and get some feedback. And, and I wonder how useful that's going to be this year with so much of that not happening, uh, you know, in terms of the, the big, you know, the combine and the big group workouts. And maybe they'll allow for, you know, individual workouts, but that doesn't really tell you a whole lot about a player um, uh, that you can't already see. So, but it does make sense. I mean, you know, you get feedback and a lot of guys, you know, have done that with the idea of, Hey, I'm going to, you know, it's basically like a job interview. You're not going to get the job, but I'm going to go on the interview. So I know what they're looking for. So I've got a year to prepare for the interview then. Mm-hmm. And it's a great idea. I, I got no problem with it. If, if you can go that route and, you know, learn what you need to get better at. Yeah. Um, so overall, how are you feeling about the basketball program as we sit here on May 7th? Yeah, I mean, up in the air, I'd say. Uh, you know, I mean, a big a big piece, and I'm sure this is for you too, is what happens with Martin and Verge. If both of them come back, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be thin inside. We just are. But that's kind of, you know, we've discussed this over the years. Um, inside basketball doesn't exist in the same form that it used to. If you look at the NBA, you know, so many teams have gone to the kind of, you know, positionless type approach, and, and it's happening in college, too. It's always copycat. So if we get those two guys back, and if Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley are the players that, that they're expected to be, you know, then you feel pretty good because the rest of the pieces are in pretty good shape. you got, you know, Cherry and Lawrence back. you got Jalen Graham. You know, you feel like you've got a, a, a decent group of players there that should be, uh, you know, again, provided that the coin flips come up in your direction, should be good enough to contend for the conference title, I think. Yeah. I feel the same. We're going to have to outscore teams and chase teams off the three-point line. It seems like that's going to have to be the mentality, which is why I think for all of the, the guard play that we have now, there's still going to be 10 minutes a game for Jalen House. I think that you yeah. said it earlier that, that his role was kind of analogous to Remy Martin in his freshman year. His first year. And I think yeah. you might just see that again where it's like we need a defensive stop. We need Or we need to bother yeah. someone. It does, yeah. you, know, you don't even have to stop him. You just need to make sure that that guy is working as hard as he can to get that bucket. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, and I think, you know, I, I – I said the old school numbers, you know, the three, four, five positions, that isn't going to be how we play. Uh, I mean, I think, you you know, you're probably going to see three guards on the court pretty much at all times. And so that will open up time for him. I mean, it's not going to be, 
you know, Martin, Burge, Christopher, uh, and, and only two of them are start. I mean, I think you could, you could certainly see three of them on the court at all times and then have, you know, your Bagley, Lawrence, Cherry as your, you know, quote unquote four spot. Uh, but, but again, all those guys are more perimeter oriented too. Um, and even at times, I mean, right now, I don't believe we've got a backup for Jalen Graham, unless I'm forgetting someone. No, we do uh, not. <laughs> now, maybe we could pick up someone late, you know, a, a grad transfer of our own or something like that. And that would be helpful to have just another body. Um, but if not, I mean, Jalen Graham, he's not going to play 40 minutes a game. That's, you know, it's not possible. So you're going to have to figure out ways to play without him on the court and therefore without a big man. We do have two scholarships to play with. So yeah. perhaps yeah. I mean, we, there's somebody you else. I think we should be in the mix, I would hope, for somebody. Even if it's a, you know, a filler in some ways, a guy who can play five or ten minutes, I mean – you're likely not getting a, a first-team All-American right now, um, you know. But but if you could get somebody who's halfway decent, uh, you know, just to give you some minutes, uh, you know, I think that's what you should be looking for. Kind of kind of like our search for a backup quarterback has been, you know, uh, to to flip sports. There, I mean, it's like okay, we we feel pretty good. We got the starter, but you got to have somebody because you can't you can't one hundred percent bank on that guy always being available. And in basketball, I mean, there's just no way you're going to have that guy out there every minute of every game. He's going to get in foul trouble. He's he's going to need a rest. You know, those are obvious things, regardless of uh, bigger things of if he gets hurt or something like that. Uh, you got to have another option at least. Uh, pivoting over to football, you know, Haller wrote a state of the program article on the Athletic that is yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at quarterback, it seems from from Haller and from Twitter and the other stuff that, you know, we're just biding our time for Dalen McLemore to show up to be the backup. And that, and that Ethan Long is pretty much done as a quarterback. Yeah, I, did you pick that up? Yeah, yeah he's I, moving I haven't to really picked that back. up until reading that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, I I hope they keep in some Chris Leak, Tim Tebow era type packages <laughs> for him. You know, sure, sure. We're most yeah. like ninety nine percent sure he's gonna run, but maybe he'll jump pass and throw Got it the to chance. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could take it to me that they don't view him as a quarterback long term because with Yellen leaving, with Sterling Cole leaving, I mean, the door was wide open for him to be the number two. In fact, for most, you know, for for spring, the spring we had, he was the only other scholarship guy. That well, we had, but I as think quarterback. the fear is you can't kind of like with Taysom Hill in the Saints, you can't make him the number two if you're going to use him in all these other ways. True, because true. he's much more likely to get hurt doing kickoff and punt coverage. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is true, um, and possibly that's the reason for it. But you know, I mean, like it's it's a it's a weird one because certainly if everything goes well. He could be more impactful playing H back, tight ends, special teams, etc., than just being a backup quarterback and standing on the sideline. But if everything doesn't go well and Jaden Daniels gets hurt, you know, two games into the season, that's where then it's like, whoa, what do we have behind him? Now maybe this Macklemore kid is is going to be the backup. Maybe the um, you know I know we have uh, Smith, Jack Smith is back after. a long absence apparently he still has college eligibility 
Um, and, and, and we got the kid from Marana. Yeah. Um, I still don't know how you pronounce that name, if it's Borgay or Borgat or Borgway or who knows. Hopefully we won't ever find out uh, because that would mean he's in the game. But we've got, you know, I mean, I, you know, I say that and, and maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe we will find out and it'll be like, wow, this kid's a gem. Uh, how did he How did he not get a scholarship? There's, there's, there's always one like that, but most of them are a walk-on for a reason. Um, so we'll see. You know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly... The eggs are in the basket of Jaden Daniels, and that's okay, but we don't have a second basket. Like, you know, it, it sort of feels like if Jaden Daniels' basket tips over, then all our eggs are cracking, and, well, we're just going to throw this season out. Yeah. Do you, do you think that they would move long back? If, it kind of feels like no. If something I mean, would happen? I mean, you know, maybe moving back to be a, a backup or something, but it doesn't, it sure doesn't feel like from reading that. Now, obviously, that's all I've got to base it on. You know, we didn't finish the spring practice. We didn't have a spring game that fans could go to. So, I mean, that, we didn't really get to see the things we normally would get to observe. But from reading that it and reading the comments that, that you know, Zach Hill had in that story, it seems like they've made the decision that that's where he's going to be. I mean, you made the Taysom Hill comparison, and it's a good one, but, you know, the Saints have kind of consistently been like, hey, he's our quarterback of the future, and we believe in him, and, and he's going to get reps at quarterback, and it, it doesn't feel like that so much from what I read. It feels like he's gone. Don't consider him a quarterback anymore. Yeah. Just, to, I mean, who knows? Obviously, they're not saying that 100%, but... There wasn't a lot of wiggle room in the in the story that, like, you know, well, they could still use him as a quarter. It was more like, almost like a statement. Like, you know, he's moved to H-back tight end, and I even read it and thought, he has? I didn't realize that. I, I thought he was still a quarterback, but apparently not. Yeah. Um, the other part of Haller's article that I I want to get into, besides the fact that we have no punter still, which yes, <laughs> correct is a little. He keeps saying we're going to get a grad transfer. I, I, you know, at some point we actually have to get one. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the piece to me that seems the same as you, uh, the same view as you, is the linebacking core is the key. We're we're, yeah. we're switching to a four three, and I think Lola is good. I I really. Mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. that but we need freshman year Merlin Robertson back yeah 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 I would agree I mean uh, those you know he was such an impact player as a freshman and and I you know I thought Howler put it well in, in that story that like he wasn't bad as a sophomore he just wasn't special he's just kind of there and yeah, I think, you know, in order for the defense to be as good as we hope, we need him to, to get back to that playmaking impact ability. And hopefully the switch to the 4-3 will do that. Because it seems like the, you know, the move to, and, and you can you can always question these things when they don't work out, but he had such a good freshman year. And then we basically moved him inside, you know, taking away some of what he did well his freshman year. Now, now some of it was on him too. I mean, he admitted he got out of shape and, but they also moved in positions a bit 
And I think it's one of those things you look back and think like, why would you do that? You know, keep him where he's good. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it did for whatever it's worth. Uh, <laughs> it did make Butler much more productive last year. And, it did. And it he, did. Yeah. You know, yeah, the two of them are going to be key. I, I think the last guy in that, you know, heart of the defense part of the article was uh, Crosswell. Yes. And yes, the secondary should be deep, but boy, oh boy, do I think we're going to miss Kobe Williams. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Haller's story struck an optimistic chord about, you know, having Jack Jones and Chase Lucas back. And on paper, that's true. You, you know, you got experience. You got both guys were highly recruited. Uh, Lucas had a really good freshman year. Uh, you know, Jones ended up leading the team in interceptions last year. But boy, from watching, and and you and I did. I mean, you know, we're 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 not fans who were just like you know, eh, we saw the highlights. They struggled, both of them, uh, a lot. And so I'm not. I don't. I don't look at the two of them being back as like, ah, we got the corner position all sewn up. Like there are corners. But I don't know that that's a strength. I'm hoping it's not a weakness, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm worried because we have now just totally changed to being gambling in the in the corner positions, at least. Yeah, because that was yeah. part of uh, Jones's problem last year. I know he had the three picks, two of which right. were the easiest interceptions you can get. <laughs> right, um, right, right. Yeah. But when you, you know, when you're gambling all the time and trying to jump yeah. routes. That's also why, uh, what was it, the Oregon State game, I want to say? Yeah. Where Jones got beat all the time in the Colorado game yes. where he got beat all the time? Well, I remember the Washington State game. I listened that to that on it. the radio. That was it. Most of it. I mean, there were there were others. Not the, uh, It wasn't know, the Colorado game because I don't think he was but, playing then. Yeah, he might not have been. He, yeah, that was, that was early, yeah. Uh, but the Washington State game, you know, on the radio, and – Again, conceding, I was listening to it on ASU radio, so they're likely to be homers. They are. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything you don't know. They are homers. Uh, they, I mean, it just they were even like, wow, Jack Jones is just getting picked on all day long. And we won that game, but not because of defense. You know, you know I mean, like they, they picked us apart up and down the field. We got a couple of stops holding them to field goals, and we kept ourselves in it, you know, but uh, now, you know, that was midway through. I mean, that was game, I think, five or six. Um, you know, he did seemingly get a little bit better as the year went along and maybe more comfortable, and it can't discount that he hadn't really been playing for over a year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't, like I said, on paper, it looks great. You know, you got a, a, a five-star recruit who led your team in interceptions last year, and he's back. And on the other side, you got a four-year starter who was an all, a freshman All-American. Uh, you know, So you look at that and say, well, boy, you should feel great about your corners. Well, dig slightly just beneath the surface of the paper, and, and I don't feel as good because just watching. Now, admitting, corner is a really tough position to play in football as it's constructed now. Um, and especially college with the spreads and all of that. It's a tough, tough, tough position. They're going to get beat. They, they just are. You know, you don't have a shut down corner very much in college football. Um, but still, like watching them, I, they don't give me a ton of confidence. Kobe Williams got beat at times. He wasn't, you know, Darrell Rivas, 
but he gave me confidence, and those two really did not last year. Well, especially, and I'm curious to see what the style looks like, but Danny Gonzalez's style was, well, sure, we have five guys in the secondary, but our corners are on islands because I'm, sure, I'm blitzing sure. and moving these other three safeties. Right, and, right, right. You know, uh, yeah. are we going to give them more help, or is our plan going to be we're blitzing, six, we're bringing six, yeah, and they're by it'll themselves? It'll be interesting to see, yeah, yeah. I mean, that 4-2-5, that or I guess a 3-3-5, three, three, um, was always sort of a misnomer because, you know, you think, well, boy, we're playing five defensive backs, but it was almost like a run first, you know, stop the run first. Two of those safeties were basically in the box. up near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know, and, and so now we have a more traditional feel to the two safeties, it appears, and have some pretty good depth at safety. That's a position that I think you feel pretty good about with Crosswell, Fields, who really, you know, came on last year, finally, you know, finally looked like he was living up to the building. Cam Phillips was a part-time starter. The Markhams, you know, both there. They got some playing time. Like, you look at that position and think, eh, you got some bodies there. Corner, not as much. Um, you know, it seems like we're, we're going to be heavily dependent on Jones and Lucas. I know uh, Ryan Clark's kid is kind of in the fold, too. He was injured most of last year. Um but there doesn't seem to be the same depth there, at least in terms of, you know, players that prove themselves even a little bit. Yeah. And so that's going to be kind of interesting, I think. Um, you know, moving forward, having a completely new defensive scheme where at all three levels you have veterans. You do. None you of do. them were brought in to play this scheme. And we spent two recruiting cycles for the Gonzalez scheme. Now, now, granted, uh, Al Luganbill and everybody yeah. is saying, well, we just recruit athletes, and it doesn't, you know, we had, we had put all of them true. at cornerback. But. Right, right. You know, I mean, you mentioned Lole, and, and Lole's an interesting one, because you see this a lot of times with D-linemen, and, and it's not something that, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot of X's and O's when it comes to defensive line football, but I've followed football enough that it's like, you know, boy, you switch from a three-man front to a four-man front, Sometimes that takes a guy out of what they do well, sort of like what we did with Robertson last year. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's not the case. I mean, we don't know, and we won't know until we see it in action. But, you know, he was a pretty good impact player as part of a three-man front. But now you're going to be playing him in a different role. And is he going to still have that same impact? Or are we going to be looking and thinking, kind of like we did with Robertson this year, like, uh, is Lole out there? Like, you know, is he is he still there? I don't know. You know, I mean, we'll we'll find out over time, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I'm feeling okay about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the the expectations are going to be high, and they should be. Um, you know, uh, like this this feels like, and and now we gotta we gotta address the elephant in the room that we don't know when when and how the season's gonna happen. And if it's going to happen on an even playing field and, you know, like there's things that are different about this offseason. But nonetheless, like we've got the pieces in place. So let's start delivering. Uh, you know, if, if we get the chance to play normal season or anything resembling it, my expectations are high. And I think they should be for, for anybody who's a fan. Oh, yeah. I, you know, this is it. This is the year. Um, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. I I thought when 2019 ended, we ended the season. I felt like you know the next two years, 20 and 21, 
were the time to take advantage of the good things that we've put in place and start to actually, you know, deliver the big time seasons, the 10, 11 wins, the conference championship contention, the major bowl, those type of things. Um, and I still feel that way, you know, because at some point you got to do it. Well, and here, here's why this year feels like it has to be for me. At the end of this year, you're losing. If you have a, a pretty good year, you're probably you're, you're for sure losing both your corners, and you're probably yeah. losing Butler, Robertson, Lole, maybe Crosswell, possibly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and on the offensive side, you're down to one more year of Jaden Daniels. True. True. Based on yeah, everything. I mean, I mean the, the, the thing about this is, much like with basketball with Christopher coming in. Yeah. Everyone's saying these guys are leaving. You know, it's not a huge yes. secret that yes. these guys are here until they, you know, can Don't leave. Have to be and then they're leaving. Yeah. Right. No, and, and I mean, I think there was a story about Daniels this offseason. I think it was Haller. And he basically said, you know, the, the plan is to be here two more years. I mean, maybe say it in this words, but, you know, two more years and, and I want to be in the NFL. And I don't blame him. You know, I mean, if, if things continue on the path that he was on last year, he should have that opportunity. You know, I, I think you could you could say that. Um, and, and so, yeah, you want to take advantage when you've got this player that we believe is a really special quarterback. Um and it looked like he was for the most part last year. He had some struggles, but you know, he also had a lot of really good moments. Then you definitely want to take advantage of that. Now, offensively, I mean, you're right about the defense and having a lot of juniors and guys that could be leaving offensively. You do look, especially at the skill positions and think there should be a pretty good amount of carryover from 20 to 21 because Daniels would be back. And it seems like we're going to be very heavily dependent on, the two freshman running backs and the freshman and sophomore wide receivers yeah, I mean, outside got, of Frank Darby. We've got seven freshman and sophomore wide receivers, I yeah. believe. Uh, yeah. Who, yeah. Who you would expect in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the two true freshman running backs are likely to, you know, be the, the main guys, it seems like. So you would feel pretty good. And, and again, with your offensive line, too, you know, you got, you got West, you got Henderson, you got this Ben Scott kid. They should all be back. That might be three of your five starters next year, depending on how things go. So you, you look at that as sort of a sort of a two-year project in a way of like, you know, okay, you got the next two years with this core. What can you do with it? And and defensively, you, yeah, you may have some attrition if things go well this year, but you're always going to. I mean, like you know, you always you always lose guys. And you have to be ready to replace them. And if if Antonio Pierce is to be believed that. ASU will be a recruiting powerhouse, as he said in that story. Then we should be able to do that. You know, we should we should have the ability to replace guys when they leave. Yeah, you have to be able to reload in college. You do, you do. I mean, like pro teams, yeah, they change every year. You never have the exact same team year to year, but you can keep your core together. You know, you make certain decisions. College, you're not going to. Bottom line is, you get a guy for four years max, uh, and if he's good, three. And and so you, you have to be able to replace, and you're never gonna you're never gonna bring back your entire starting lineup from the year before, yeah, you know, unless you've had a bunch of scholarships stripped and you're relying on all freshmen because you know for two years you didn't have scholarship players or something like that. Yeah, 
So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, um, you know, hopefully we're less than four months from the start of the season. Who knows? Uh, it's it's a weird year. Uh, right about now is when I usually start getting like, you know, not seriously, but, you know, you start thinking about football. And I don't know. I don't know when we're going to start or how it's going to look. But whenever it does, I will have high expectations for this group. My expectations are high. My pessimism about the football season is high uh, in terms of it starting on time. But that's not what this is for. This is for optimism. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, starting on time, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, I know there's been some talk this week and, it, you know, be interesting that you may just have a situation where some teams can play and some teams can't. And, like, I think we need to kind of wrap our arms around that possibility that it just it may not be a fair year. Mm-hmm. That just may be the way it is. You know, I, I mean, like, to have 120 schools all on the same page is very unlikely. So we're probably just going to have to accept that there's going to be some inequities this year. And, and uh, you know, uh, we'll see which side of the ledger we're on. Well, and then does this unravel the conference and or NCAA power structure? Because if you do that and you say, well, look, we're going to do this, then does, you know, let's hypothetically say that the four California schools are not allowed to play. Yeah. The Oregon schools are not allowed to play. And the Washington schools are not allowed to play. But the two Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, are allowed to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is who? Are are we just gonna play you know a round robin three times? I don't know. Or, I don't know. You know, are you gonna let? Are we gonna have to go forced independent and hope that you know? Yeah. The yeah. the Texas uh, schools will play us. I don't know. <laughs> or are we, know. Or we're mean, playing uh, a whack schedule and BYU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good question. I don't I don't know what you do if you've got you know conferences that have a split in the conference. Um, you know, I know the SEC, there's been some talk of like, well, you know, if the SEC, maybe not all 14 schools would be on the same page, but if they've got 10 or 12, they go forward and they probably could. Um, but, you know, if you're in that scenario that you laid out, I don't know what you do. Well, because you know, I'm I just mean, thinking about from a from a practical perspective, there are certain states that are on lockdown and pursuing the lockdown and, and California is one of them. California and certainly what, is, yeah. You know, yeah. Rightly so, wrongly so, you know, health and politics are not the point of this, but they right. are pursuing it, and they effectively did shut down some uh, UFC fights, I believe, they that did. were supposed to be they scheduled did. for LA. Yeah, Fresno, right. Oh, Fresno, yeah. yeah. And they were going to go to the, the remote area in Fresno, the, the Native American land or something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that got shut yeah. down, and, and I'm just thinking, you know, if there's a, if there's a second wave or something yeah. as we, as the country comes out of these lockdowns and, you know, right, in two right. months we're facing another one. I could see California saying, oh, sorry, we're not doing gatherings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and, and you're right, you know, and that's the, that's the precarious position as an ASU fan. It feels like, because, uh, we are dependent on the PAC 12, <laughs> you know, I mean like the, the PAC 12 without California, is not the Pac-12. You know, I mean, you you take out a huge, you take out a third of the conference in numbers and you take out even more just influence um, if you don't have USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. And I don't know if that will happen. Uh, You know, I hope it doesn't, obviously. I mean, all of this, all of this is 
for me, you know, with the, with the caveat that I'm hopeful and, and I'm going to remain hopeful until there's no reason to have hope that we could have a normal season or at least something close to it. Uh, it you know, if you can push it back and feel like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the idea that Stuart Mandel had where you start the season in January, be weird, but would I prefer that over nothing at all? Sure. I think everybody would, uh, you know, so who knows? Who knows? I mean, I don't think anybody knows. I think we were hoping to know by May, and that was unrealistic. Um, we're probably not going to know till July, honestly. You know, July or August, what is actually going to happen? Because we don't know. We just don't know what things are going to look like in September right now. Projecting is foolhardy in some ways. Well, certainly for us with our journalism degrees, because it, we're, neither of us, if you were if you were here because you thought this was an uh, epidemiology-based podcast, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to be one. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a whole lot of people on on social media that you know love to pretend to be one. Um, I'm not. You know, like I, who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, I, I've said this to you when this first started. You know, it, this is this is really illustrated, like the the illusion of guaranteeing the future. We've never thought this way before. Uh, you know, when the NFL schedule came out last year, and that's coming out tonight, I immediately jumped on and booked my flight to Kansas City to see the Chiefs. And I never once thought, hmm, I hope there's a season, or I hope I can go if there's a season. Uh, you know, but that's where we are because you know, in February, you and I were talking about the NCAA tournament. And we sure didn't have any anticipation it wouldn't happen. And that was only a month away. So projecting what's going to happen in four months, who knows, man? I mean, all we could do is, as long as they're still on schedule, then they're still on schedule. And if that changes, then we'll adjust to it as fans, I guess. Yeah. Nothing's, nothing's been canceled yet. So just fingers crossed that stays that way, I guess. Well, we'll be here to take you through all of that, including some existential crises if it does get canceled. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. September without college football would be would be rough, but you know, we'll see. See what happens. I, I'm gonna do this just so that it's out there because I started the wrap up, and, but now I need to just get this out. It's okay. The doomsday scenario is we spend all this time hyping and talking about and congratulating ourselves on landing yeah. Josh Christopher. I know and Bagley. And then there is no season and we There's never no, see you know, them college. play. <laughs> oh, it's already entered my mind. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a long ways off and it's like, you know, obviously basketball has even more runway before they would have, you know, have to make that decision and you know, all that, if, you know, things are things you, you hope, but yes, I mean, certainly that, that doomsday scenario has entered my mind from the night that we got the commitment from Josh Christopher is thinking, God, I hope we just have a normal season and really see what this kid's up to. Maybe he's this good. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I just want to find out, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be one of those what if things where he gets drafted next June and it's like, well, he didn't play at all. Like, uh, what? I hope that's not the case. What, where I, where I landed on this and how I started thinking about this was if I was a Dodger fan and I like the Dodgers, yeah, you know, you, you just unloaded some prospects and took on David Price's Albatross contract yeah. to get one year of Mookie Betts. And it is May 7th and Mookie Betts has not taken an official at bat for the Dodgers. 
and who knows when he will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doomsday scenario is he never takes one at all. Now, I, I feel like they will find a way to play something. It just seems like there's enough drive that, to figure this out. Um, but college sports are a different consideration because you just have, you just have more people involved in college, like you know, well, baseball. And, and the players you aren't get... being paid, like right, right, exactly. You know, you know Josh players Christopher are motivated makes... to play, yeah. because they want to make money, yeah. and the owners are motivated to get games because they want to make money, and the, you know, like it, everybody's everybody's driving toward the same end, which is we want to have a season, hell or high water, we're going to. College sports are different. You're right. I mean, the players aren't being paid, um, and you've got government authorities that have control of I mean, state universities, which the large majority of the universities that we talk about are state universities. That's a whole different ballgame. You know, I mean, the Lakers apparently have gotten permission to open their facility in L.A., despite the fact that L.A. is closed down in, in you know, 10 days or whatever. They're, they're working on the 16th as the day they can open. That's the Lakers. They're a private business. USC and UCLA, that's probably a different, you know, a whole different animal to try yeah. to get that done. Yeah, USC's got to handle the whole board of trustees, and UCLA right. needs the Cal system. <laughs> right. There's so, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's so many other entities that come in. There's conference commissioners, there's school presidents, there's, you know, state and local governments, and that's the thing that is worrisome is, like, when are we going to get everybody on the same page? I don't know. Uh, and, and that's why I think, you know, could we have a football season where, you know, some teams play 10 games and some teams play five and Notre Dame and, plays 37. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's possible. Uh, you know, like, you, you know, this is, this is a dream come true territory. If we can have a college football playoff and ESPN will love the debate about how do you choose between Alabama, which played 12 games and, you know, Oklahoma, which only played six. This is horrible. You know, like the, the debate will just, they'll love it. They'll fill up, you know, 17 hours of TV with how you can reconcile, you know, Ohio State with a half a schedule versus LSU with a full schedule or something like that. Yeah. Well, we'll walk you through all of that yeah. and, and yeah, more yeah. if it happens. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see what happens. You know, uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be fun. I shouldn't, I shouldn't guarantee that. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll ride with it and we'll see where we're at as the weeks and months pass. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.